Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to another Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. And every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, as it is, for just, yeah, boy, 15 and a half years, this is uh, going to be finishing 16 years here in a few months. And it's uh, hard to believe. We've talked about a lot of different financial planning topics over those years. And, of course, some we've talked about multiple times. As I remember, one of the uh, first engineers that I worked with uh, back years ago, and in the first probably five years that we started talking, that I started talking money, he says, Mike, it's okay to talk about the same thing more than once because it takes most of us a little longer to have it all sink in anyway. You're used to talking about this stuff all the time, so it, it comes more naturally to you. The rest of us, it takes a little while. So, um, so if we... Um, if I, if I talk about something more than once, then just uh, blame him because he's the one that told me that years ago. But, of course, we post all these programs on TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So if you uh, want to listen to last week, so we started a discussion about Roth conversions why she, and the different types of IRAs first, and then the Roth conversions. Why would you convert? We'll talk a little bit more about that today. And then we're going to talk about the distribution rules. And it's not always something that, that like he told me, that it uh, is going to come naturally or you're going to get it all the first time. Matter of fact, I don't always get it all the first time. I have to look back these rules up again to see uh, what exactly they said because I want to make sure that I get the right information to you, my listeners, and to our clients and so forth. This is important. Some of these decisions that you make, especially with Roth conversions, they don't they don't give you a do-over like they used to. Was uh, at one point we could do a recharacterization by October first the following year. Can't do that anymore. So you got to make a decision uh, and and stick with it, whether you like it or not. The next year and pay the taxes, whether you like it or not, because you're not going to to go backwards. And the reason they did that was because if you converted in, um, money from a Roth to a traditional IRA, and then the uh, traditional IRA went down, so we had a market correction and your account went down fifteen percent or twenty percent. It's like, wow, you still pay taxes on the full amount, whether you want to do or not, even though it's not there anymore. And so they allow you to recharacterize and have a do-over and so that you could uh, do the next um, transition at the lower amount if the market went down. And there was there were a lot of techniques that we did with doing bonds in one and stocks in another and so forth. But with th those techniques, in case you're thinking about that, those techniques are, are gone. We can't do those anymore. Uh, so if you... Um, Miss something, want to hear it again, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on the Listen Now, and you'll come to this week's program. And we've already posted uh, this past week, and so you can listen to last week's to get caught up on the discussion about IRAs, and then we'll uh, continue today. So you can listen to it as often as you want. You can also put a search word in there. So if you want to talk about, listen to something about taxes or uh, estate planning or insurance, whatever it is, just Put that keyword in there on the search box. It'll it'll show you each of the programs that we did that discussed at least part of the program 
we discussed that particular issue. But we want to continue the conversation today talking about the IRAs. So like I said, last week I talked about what's a traditional IRA, traditional deductible, what's a traditional non-deductible IRA, what's a Roth IRA. Of course, the big difference in the Roth is that you don't don't get a tax deduction for putting it in, but the the distribution, uh, the contribution when you distribute it and all the earnings are tax-free provided that you follow the right rules. We're going to be talking about those rules today. And, and I talked about why, when should you consider, why should you consider moving from a, a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA? So we talked about one of the main differences, one of the main considerations has to be when you're deciding what your tax bracket is now versus what your best guess is at retirement. Nobody knows for sure what it's going to be. And it may be one thing, the year you retire, and five years later, it could be something different. So it's it's somewhat of a guessing game, and that's why I encourage we encourage listeners, and I've encouraged clients all along, and we've actually implemented for clients to have multiple types of accounts. So some Roth, some traditional, and some that are in the um, just after tax account, just a regular brokerage account that you have access to, that you can get the money out tax free, essentially, or at least at minimal taxes, the brokerage account may have some gains in it that you have to sell and you'll pay some long-term capital gains on that. Another reminder, because it's easy to forget this, if you are in the 12%, no higher than 12% marginal tax bracket, right? which means your your income for 2022 is around 83000 is exactly $83,550 if you're married filing jointly, and that's your taxable income. So that's after your standard deduction. You got a you got a twenty five thousand nine hundred dollar standard deduction. Whether you have any contributions or interest or anything, they they give you that much. And then if you're sixty five or older, you get an extra fourteen hundred dollars per per person or everyone that's over sixty five. On top of that, so that's in addition to the eighty three five fifty. So you'd have to add those two together. So you're you're now over a hundred thousand dollars of total income to get down to eighty three five fifty taxable income. If including the gain from the sale of a long-term capital gain asset, you're still not over that eighty-three thousand five fifty of taxable income, then the capital gain, long-term capital gains rate is zero percent. Now, isn't that a good deal? We can't get a better deal than zero percent. And I encourage people all along to to take advantage of that. Even if you don't want to sell something, think about selling something. Now, most people are thinking, well. All my accounts are down right now, so I don't want to do that. Although they're back up in the last six weeks, should be. But as each year as you plan your um, sales and your taxes and you're looking through your tax planning, you would you have to look at or should look at, all right, I've got this one um, investment that's got a great gain in it. Uh, my taxable income is only going to be uh, 65000 or let's say 60000 Well, I've got an extra 23000 of gain that I can take that year and long-term capital gain and pay zero capital gains tax. So it's smart to go ahead and sell enough of that asset to create that much. I wouldn't cut it close to 23,550, but say 20,000, 21,000 of long-term capital gain income. And you'll put it in your tax return, but you'll pay zero tax. You can turn right around and buy that same asset again, but now your basis is higher because you sold it at a higher price than what you bought it originally. So when you sell it later on, the cost basis will be higher because you bought that uh, same asset again. You don't have to worry about the wash sale rules 
because you're not taking a loss. The Washdale rules have to do, if I'm taking a loss, I can't buy that asset again for another 31 days. Well, if it's a gain, you're paying taxes on it. So they don't care about that. You can just buy the same thing right over again. So having those kinds of assets available to you when you're uh, coming into retirement is very helpful so that you can help minimize the, the, the marginal tax bracket, but also help minimize how much your Social Security is included for taxable income and, and your Medicare premium because as your income goes up, the Medicare premium can go up. And they're looking back two years to see what it was then to see what your Medicare premium should be this coming year. It can help minimize all those kinds of things. All right, so when we get back from the break, we'll, uh, I'll just remind you of the, the main three reasons why you should consider a Roth or not to Roth. And then uh, we're going to go into the uh, taxation guidelines and talk about the, how the contributions are taxed, how conversion assets are, are taxed, how the earnings are taxed. And we have to keep those uh, compartmentalized so we can t- determine correctly how each of them is going to be taxed. So if you've got a question for me, you need to email that question uh, for a future broadcast to uh, mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. Or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question, and you can email me that question as well. So we'll be back with the second segment of Talking Money in just a couple minutes. Most of you have heard the saying, it's not what you earn, but what you keep. With all of the tax laws and legislative changes, how do you successfully navigate the complex, always changing, and mostly confusing tax system? More importantly, how do you best take advantage of these changing laws in order to improve your financial stewardship and accomplish your goals? Unlike tax preparation, tax planning is a year-round process and should be an important part of your financial plan. It's wise to consider tax reduction efforts in light of your overall goals. At Ronald Blue Trust, our tax planning process includes things like short and long-term tax projections, understanding tax consequences of financial and life decisions, Estimating marginal and effective tax rates to, among other things, avoid that dreaded tax bracket creep. Coordinate with your tax preparer and looking for tax savings opportunities through income shifting, deferring income, deduction planning, and other timing strategies. For more information about our Greenville team and the credentials and experience of each of them, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. Sherry White. Jeremy Weaver, Scott Clark, and Eddie Holland are the team leaders with a supporting team of certified financial planner professionals working right alongside of them. Feel free to contact any of them directly or give me a call at 1-800-588-7526, and I'll be happy to discuss your situation with you. The phone number again is 1-800-588-7526, or go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville. Let's return now to Talking Money. Welcome back here to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host, as always on Talking Money, or at least most of the time on Talking Money, and for for many, many years. So we're talking about IRAs and Roth conversions and all that kind of fun stuff. And uh, you may have a question about that. Uh, you all, we all send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And that's the same place that you can sign up for our newsletters. Uh, and when you hear me talking about different tax planning techniques here on Talking Money virtually every week, uh, just, just a quick reminder. I mean, these are things that we do personally for our clients every year. So it's the kind of thing where if you're tired of doing it on your own or think you're missing things, uh, that's where we would like to add value to our clients situation because we want to 
essentially pay for ourselves. Uh, not to say that it's always going to happen every year, but we like to think that the peace of mind is a, is a huge part of what we provide to our clients. So why do you consider changing your traditional deductible IRA? You've, you've had a tax deduction for that. It's got earnings in it, hopefully, that are also all going to be taxable when you take it out. So talked about your tax rate. So if it's likely to be higher at retirement than it is now, so a, a, um, a Roth conversion is good because you're going to convert it now at a lower tax rate. When you take it out in retirement or whenever that is, then it's going to be a lower tax bracket. So, I mean, a higher tax bracket. So you, you won't have to pay taxes at that time. If tax rates are going to be the same or lower in retirement, so you, you know based on your own uh, work history and the kind of work you do and the kind of lifestyle that you maintain and, your, and the cost of your lifestyle, that you're actually going to be in a lower tax bracket, then, then you don't want to do a Roth. You're better off doing a traditional IRA. And then when you get to retirement and you're in a lower tax bracket, you're going to take the money at a lower tax bracket. If you, if you did the Roth, you're going to convert it at a higher tax rate and then take it back out at a lower tax rate. That doesn't, that doesn't uh, make sense. If it's the same, it really makes no difference except for what I said earlier about trying to plan around Social Security taxable income and Medicare premiums and things like that. So that's the part of the reason to have multiple types of accounts. All right, so those are uh, the another reason would be if you're going to rely more on your Roth assets for spending. So if you think you're going to rely more on your IRA assets in retirement, that means more is going to be coming out as taxable income. That'll put you in a higher tax bracket. That's part of the planning then you would say, all right, then I want to do a Roth because then when I take the money out, I'll be able to take it out tax-free. And also just to, to have, you want to make sure that when you make the conversion, that you have enough taxes outside of the IRA to pay the taxes on that conversion. You're not using part of the Roth, the traditional IRA assets that you're moving over to a Roth. You don't want to use any of those assets to actually um, um, pay the taxes on it because you want to maximize the amount that's in your Roth that's going to start accumulating then tax-free. That's the point. Uh, and, and one quick reminder as well that you want to be careful. I know I've, I've talked to people, prospective clients primarily, who've come in and they converted all of their traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, thinking that, well, that was the best tax move I could make. But in actuality, for many people, that's not the case because, for instance, if you are someone who uh, gives money to your church regularly, to uh, different charities regularly, then you want to preserve enough in your traditional IRA so that you can make those gifts once you're 70 and a half, the day you turn 70 and a half, not the year you turn 70 and a half, to start making those contributions from your IRA tax-free from your IRA. So to count as your required minimum distribution, plus you you get no you don't have to pay any taxes on it at all. And this day and age when the standard deduction is so high that people are not itemized deductions anymore, since you're not itemizing, then any gift that you make, if you just took the money out of the IRA, paid the taxes, and then made the gift, then you think, okay, but I'm getting a tax deduction for it. Well you're not if you're using the standard deduction. So this is, it's, I, I cannot think of a reason why you would not want to make virtually all, if not all, of your charitable contributions from your IRA once you reached a, that magical age of 70 and a half. You want to take it from the IRA. It may not help you. Some people just won't help, but it won't hurt you. So you might as well do it from there. So And be careful not to, to take out so much 
that you don't give yourself that flexibility that flexibility okay so the the taxation guidelines for roths so uh, we'll divide it into certain categories so first thing is your contribution so this is just a a contribution that you make that you make just like you would a traditional ira so you're making a, this is not a conversion this is a contribution so you make a a six thousand or a seven thousand if you're age fifty year or older for you and your spouse, then you make that contribution. Then that goes into the IRA. That contribution is always available to withdraw because you didn't. It doesn't worry about the five year rule. You get the you get to take the money out, and the first money you take out will be your contribution. So it's like first in, first out, uh, from an accounting standpoint, and you don't you it won't be included as your taxable income as long as you don't take more out than the gain. In the early years that you make those contributions, then, then typically you don't have a lot of gain in it yet because it takes time to have those gains. So contributions, regular contributions, not conversions and not earnings, then there is uh, no penalty and no taxes when you uh, take that money out to withdraw. So now we take about conversion assets. So now this is the money that you take from you take $100,000 out, of the, which is the max, $100,000 out of your uh, conversion, your IRA, and your and you take it out and put it into your, um, no, the, the, yeah, you take it out and put it into your regular, um, in your Roth IRA. So that money, it really, is not 100000 The 100000 cap is for the um, uh, qualified charitable distribution. So you take money out. You, you wouldn't want to take more than 100000 out. I wouldn't recommend it anyway because you're going to put you in a higher, much higher tax bracket. You want to do it in increments in, in, in order to stay under that bracket creep that I talked about in that, that spot that ran just a little bit ago. You want to say, I want to make sure I don't take out so much that I'm now putting myself in the 22, 24 or higher tax bracket because uh, then it's, it's more likely that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in, re, in retirement if you take too much out at once and put yourself into a higher marginal tax bracket. So the conversion assets, you take that money, you take, you know, whatever it is, and you put that into the Roth. That conversion asset, then you got some rules for it. All right, so we're just talking about the assets themselves, not the earnings, okay? And each conversion, unlike the contributions, the contributions, once you make one contribution, you start the five-year rule for all the earnings from that particular IRA. For a conversion asset, each conversion starts its own five-year period, so... It can get a little logistic nightmare if, if you're not careful, not tracking all that. So if you meet the five-year rule, so you converted the assets, you meet the five-year rule, then there's no income taxes and no early withdrawal penalty on those assets because you kept it in there at least five years. If you didn't meet the five-year rule, so it's not in there yet, the conversion assets, not the earnings, you can still maybe be able to get by without having income tax or penalty if you're at least age 59 and a half. You die. Uh, there's a disability. You can spend up to $10,000 for a first home, which is unlikely if you're at that age, but you could. Uh, if, if you, know, you can pay medical expenses from it. Uh, you can pay medical insurance premiums if you're unemployed. Uh, if you do the substantially equal periodic payments, and that's a different technique. Most of you aren't going to worry about that. I won't go into details about that. Uh, or higher education expenses. Those are exceptions to the... Uh, five-year rule. So there's still no income taxes or early withdrawal penalty on the conversion assets uh, for those special purposes, age 59 and a half, death, disability, first home up to $10,000, medical expenses, medical insurance premiums while you're unemployed, 
substantially equal periodic payments, and higher education expenses. If you don't meet one of those exceptions, so there's no special purpose, then there's no income taxes because you already paid uh, the, the, the contribution or the conversion. You already pay taxes on that. But you will have a 10% early withdrawal penalty tax on the conversion amount. We're not talking earnings. We're talking about conversion amount. And so that's where it's important. So even if you are over 59 and a half, so I'm over 59 and a half, I'm over 70 and a half, I can do a conversion, that's right. But if you take it out before five years is up, then you won't have any any um, income taxes. Uh, you won't have any early uh, income taxes, but you will have uh, an early withdrawal penalty potentially. So if that's, well, excuse me, if you oversee, I get confused in these things, even with uh, having the rules right in front of me. If you have that special purpose, you have no income taxes or early withdrawal penalty on the on the conversion assets. That's different than what the earnings are. If there's no special purpose, there's still no income taxes, but you have a 10% early withdrawal penalty tax on that. All right, then we're going to go to earnings. They're kind of all lumped in here together. Earnings, whether it's on your contributions that you made, just like a regular contributions, or if you have conversion assets, then their their earnings are going to be uh, taxed at a uh, a different rate. And so if you meet the five-year holding period, okay, so you have you have uh, different rules for the five-year holding period, and then you have if you don't meet the five-year holding period, the same special purpose and, and triggering events and all that thing that I mentioned on the uh, conversion assets uh, applies to here here as well. So when we get back from the break, I'm going to be talking about, all right, yes, I meet the five-year holding period for earnings or no, I don't meet the five-year holding period. How are my earnings going to be taxed at that time? And it gets kind of confusing. I don't want to break it up. So we're going to just cover this as soon as we get back from the break. So if you've got questions for me, the way to send the questions today, and we'll get them in a future broadcast is Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Or you can go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on Ask Mike a Question. And I'll get those questions, and I, as I do just about every week, and I'll answer those at a, uh, at a future broadcast. So uh, when we come back, more information about the earnings and how they're taxed on, uh, on Roth uh, uh, conversions and uh, contributions. We'll be right back. Virtually every financial services firm talks about financial and investment planning based on your goals. At Ronald Blue Trust, we can help you define your goals. We'll do that from your personal cash flow to your income tax to your state and investments to help ensure that your decisions really do reflect your values. We incorporate biblical principles into our comprehensive financial planning approach. Our goal is to help you clarify your decision-making and focus on leaving a legacy of financial, social, and spiritual capital. And whether we realize it or not, the decisions we make in life reflect our values and our priorities. Decisions we make today can have lifetime implications. There are rarely independent decisions. A comprehensive financial plan includes things like planning for short-term cash needs, long-term retirement, proactively minimizing debt, continually evaluating the tax consequences of your decisions, funding your child's or grandchild's education, and determining your insurance needs. No financial plan, however, is worth doing unless you actually implement your plan. Our process takes you directly from goal setting to the implementation. I think, we think, there's a good chance your financial stress level will improve when you understand how all of the components of your financial life integrate with each other and how to adjust over time. So we can guide you through a detailed plan towards sound financial decisions, wise stewardship, 
and a roadmap to your desired destination, a life well spent. For more information, go to ronblue.com forward slash Greenville or call 1-800-588-7526. Once again, the number is 1-800-588-7526. Now back to more of Talking Money. And welcome back to the second half of Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today, talking about IRAs and more specifically, just before the break, trying to break down the different rules as it relates to the distributions of a Roth IRA. So I talked about the Roth contributions, which is like a regular traditional IRA contribution, only it's a Roth contribution, that they're always available for withdrawal with no tax or penalty. Then the conversion assets are a different animal. So they do have some restrictions on getting it out uh, penalty and tax free. You know, I've reviewed those before the break. And now we want to talk about the earnings. So I, I, I can't emphasize enough that we're, we're separating these into different buckets, different segments. This is just the earnings. And this is whether it's a conversion or a contribution. This is just the earnings part. The other part, you, you, you're going to get out first. And depending on the rules I talked about earlier, will determine whether or not you have any tax or penalty on it at all. Uh, so let's say you don't meet the five-year rule, all right? So you just haven't had it five years. Well, there's the same special purposes that there was on the others for conversion assets. So the special purposes are those eight, same eight things, 59 and a half, death, disability, first home, buyer up to $10,000, medical expenses, medical insurance premiums while you're unemployed, substantially equal periodic payments and higher education expenses. So if you have those special purposes, so let's take one of them. Let's just take 59 and a half. That's going to be the one that uh, applies to most people. So I didn't meet the five-year rule, but I'm over 59 and a half. So I'll have income tax if I take the earnings out, but I won't have a 10% withdrawal penalty. So you get some break on that. You don't have an early withdrawal penalty if you're over 59 and a half. If there is no special purposes, no, not one of those eight different items I just mentioned applies. There's no special purpose. Then you have income tax and 10% early withdrawal penalty tax on the earnings, not the asset itself. That's different, remember? And you have to go back, and I'm not going to talk about them again. You can go back, rewind, and get that again. All right, so if I do have a special purpose, I said I have no income, I have income tax, but no 10% penalty. So let's say I meet the five-year rule, though. So that's this is going to be a little nicer. So I, I convert assets or I make a contribution, and I'll have, I've had it for longer than five years. So I've met the five-year requirement. That's not a problem anymore. All right, so now I still have some rules here. So I've met the five-year rule. So if I'm 59 and a half, I'm going to divide these the eight special purposes into two separate lists of four. So the trigger events now, age 59 and a half, death, disability, or first home purpose purchase of up to $10,000. There's no income tax or early withdrawal penalty. So because you've met the five-year rule, and let's take that first one again, you're over 59 and a half. You're over 59 and a half. You take it out, but you've met the five-year rule. There's no income tax and no early withdrawal penalty. Now, if you have some of the other the other four, the medical expenses, medical insurance premiums while unemployed, substantially equal periodic payments, and higher education expenses, you'll have the same uh, as it was if you didn't meet the five-year rule. You have income tax, but no 10% early withdrawal penalty. So if you have 
If you have no triggering event or a special purpose, then you'll have income tax and 10% early withdrawal penalty tax if you don't meet that five year or so. So essentially for most people, you need to have it five years and past age 59 and a half not to worry about that. If you start at 59 and a half and wait five years, then you're going to be okay. If you wait to 59 and a half and don't wait the five years, though, you're going to have the no income taxes or you'll have um, income tax, but no 10% early withdrawal penalty. Uh, so it, um, it gets confusing. I know even if you do a Google search, which I've done before and said, okay, what, what are the taxes on Roth? I read several articles and they, and several said different things about the same, uh, same concept. So you got to be even careful there of, of what you're reading on some of these sites to make sure it really is someone that's accurate. If you, if you, um, uh, read something from Ed Slot, somebody like that, who's a national expert in this and IRAs in general, then it's going to be accurate. I'm very confident that you're going to get the right information. We get, I get a lot of my information from him. I look, look up, I subscribe to the newsletters and I get that stuff from him uh, all the time to help make sure that that happens. So you want to make sure that you're very careful uh, on getting uh, when you take the money out but the main question I had from the listener back a few weeks ago that started all this discussion was, I'm over seven and a half. What's going to be the regulations? And uh, my, my thought was he didn't have to do the five-year, worry about the five-year rule because he's over seven and a half. But you still have to. You don't have to worry about uh, as, as much. So, But no, no 10% early withdrawal penalty, but there would be income tax on the earnings. The, the contributions uh, when you make the conversion assets um, – and you're over 59 and a half, those are still void of, of any tax or penalty. So the actual contribution is still safe. It's the earnings that would have the income taxes, but no 10% early withdrawal penalty. So if you've got a further question about that, you can always send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And I'll, I'll, if I don't know the answer to that, I know where to look it up. And I know who to ask to get the right answer. This stuff, even for someone like myself who's in this business a long time and and uh, and talk about it essentially all the time, uh, the rules uh, can can be uh, a little confusing sometimes. So, what about the rules when uh, you are? Uh, let me let me cover the uh, the backdoor Roth conversion because I I think um, a lot of people I, I briefly mentioned it last week uh, is now legal. Uh, you don't have to worry about the IRS coming in and getting you. Uh, but for those who don't qualify for making a, a traditional IRA uh, contribution, your spouse maybe not even qualifies for making one uh, because your income is too high and you participate in a qualified retirement plan, uh, that many folks we've, we've asked uh, and suggested that they do what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. So if you don't have any other traditional IRAs, you might have a 401k, that's okay, as long as it stays at the 401k. But if you have an IRA, a regular traditional IRA, and then you want to do this, it's going to be hard to do it. So it works best if you don't have any traditional IRAs at all. And then you say, all right, I can make a non-deductible traditional IRA contribution. Because anybody can do that. There's no limit on income for that. You can make that. So you, you make that contribution. And then you essentially immediately transfer the money from that non-deductible traditional IRA, not Roth, non-deductible traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. So there's virtually no earnings in it. You can put it in money market account, which these days it's almost you're, you're paying somebody to, to keep your money. But no earnings on it. You'll transfer that money over to your Roth IRA, and then you start your five rule and so forth. You'll have additional assets to um, uh, put in deferred for retirement. 
but you got to be so careful. If there are other IRAs you and you take the money out, then you're going to have to, uh, or when you uh, convert, you've got to do this cream of the coffee thing. You really have to look at all your assets all together, not just the, not just the one asset that you converted when you're taking money out. You can't pick and choose. That's why we call it cream of the coffee. Once you put cream in your coffee, you can't divide them. You can't separate them. So the same thing applies with these uh, backdoor Roth conversions. Just watch out for, for what you have other assets because I've, I've come uh, had people come in the office that um, had already done it uh, from a year or two earlier and it's too late to undo it. Uh, they're just going to have to to hope the IRS doesn't catch them probably when they're um, when they're taking it back out. And I'm not giving anybody names, so we're not gonna we're gonna gonna tattletale on them. Um, but um, but then you hear about the IRS putting in you know, get this all this new money to hire new agents to to come after us. So we'll see how that works out over the next uh, uh, couple of uh, years probably and see how that goes. All right. So when when you're inheriting an IRA. And uh, you, most people have heard the new rules. You got 10 years to take the money out. But if you're inheriting an IRA and the person, the owner of the original IRA was over 72, now over 72, or maybe they were already over 70 and a half before, and they're taking the required minimum distribution, then you have to continue taking that required minimum distribution. Uh, unlike if somebody's younger than that, you just essentially have to take all the money out in 10 years. You, you could leave it alone for 10 years. And this went back and forth many times before they came up with a ruling. Uh, the most recent one got from Ed Slot is that you can wait till the 10th year and then uh, you can take it all out at once. That's where you can do some tax planning. You might want to take it all out the fifth year, the eighth year, or divide it in 10 parts and take it out that way. A lot of different ways to do that, but um, essentially the 10 year part and you want to be careful um, not naming a beneficiary. When we get back from the break, I want to talk about some beneficiaries because it's very, very important that you track the beneficiaries and you understand and you really know, not just guess, who the beneficiaries are to make sure the assets are going to go the way you want to and that you'll, you'll minimize the taxes and not have it go to the estate or something like that. All right, once again, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. You'll want to um, send your questions and I'll get to them at a at a future broadcast. So we'll be back with the final segment of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is a Tennessee-chartered public trust company. We can serve as trustee, backup trustee, personal representative, or what we call PR these days, or the guardian or conservator of your estate. Now, it's very important that you appoint someone you trust who really knows you and your financial situation. I think it's important to have the confidence you need to feel comfortable knowing that your estate and trust plan is carried out to reflect your goals and objectives, and the plan reflects your values. Ronald Blue Trust solutions include assistance with managing trust assets, settling your estate, and even helping with a special needs beneficiary. Those of you listening who have been the beneficiary of a trust know how important it is to choose the right person or institution to help navigate the duties as administrator of the estate or trust. It's not unusual for someone to name family members or even close friends as trustee of their personal trust. You need to be as certain as you can be that this responsibility is not going to weigh too heavy on them or their family, especially at this already difficult time. If you are dealing with challenging family dynamics or complicated family structures, or perhaps your beneficiaries will need help managing their finances, and I don't mean just the investments, but overall cash flow, tax planning, and more, or if you have some very specific wishes that you want to be sure are carried out at your death, or maybe you have a current trustee relationship, but you're unhappy with the fees or the relationship, give me a call. It's worth at least a conversation. 
This is Mike Miller. Call me at 800-588-7526 or send an email to mike.miller at ronblue.com. That's 800-588-7526. I look forward to speaking with you. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We're continuing our conversation about IRAs, uh, Roth conversions, uh, the difference between a traditional deductible IRA, a traditional non-deductible IRA, and a Roth IRA. And I've covered all those things uh, last week and so far in today's program. So if you missed any of that, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and listen now, and you can pull up the previous programs that we posted on there. And listen as, uh, to your heart's content until you get the information down the, the way you need to get it down to make the best decision for your particular situation. And that's what that's what uh, I'm here for. So I've been doing this for a long time. And even when I'm not on the radio, a lot of what I do is educating clients, educating other people, uh, church groups, whatever, whoever I'm talking to, whomever I'm talking to uh, about different types of, of financial planning. Because uh, we, uh, you know, I don't sell anything. We don't sell anything. So we don't have any kind of hidden agenda. Yes, we do have clients. We charge fees for those clients, but the client pays the fee. We don't get any fees from the investments that we make for people. Uh, we don't sell the annuities. We're not getting the commissions from the insurance company. Uh, we get paid directly from the client, which also is a difference than fee-only from fee-based. So fee-based advisors, uh, oftentimes they're, they're doing wrap accounts. So they're really getting paid from the the investment itself, it's being charged through there. All of ours comes direct from the client. So our our client, our employer, our boss is the client. That's who we're, we're, we want to take care of and take care of well. And uh, and since we don't get a big upfront commission and our, our goal and our job really is to make sure that, that a client is happy for a, a long time. So I met with a client this week. Uh, just just finished 28 years as a client. So it's, uh, it's always fun to, to speak with clients who have been with us for that length of time and doing well. And he's very pleased and happy with the results. And we talked about how much money he brought in, how much money he's given away and all kind of stuff. It's just a fun kind of meeting when you, when you meet with people uh, like that. So um, one of the things that I always try to stress when I'm talking about IRAs is the beneficiaries. It, it gets confusing. And, and I think too many times people take for granted what the beneficiaries are. They just assume because when, when new clients come in, and we'll ask him, okay, how do you want your estate handled? Well, our as our will says this, our beneficiaries are this. And then when we actually go and, and double check in the will or double check uh, on the documents or we go to the custodian and say, okay, how do you have the beneficiaries listed on your records? We oftentimes find it something different. And maybe the primary is the right, but the contingent's different or there's no contingent or they forgot to put a beneficiary on it at all. They just assumed that's what they would have done, and it just did not get done. So you, you want to double-check and actually go to the custodian, the 401k provider. If you can look it up online and see that it's there, it's, that it's the way you want it, then do that. Because your, your will does not determine how these contracts are going to be distributed. Now, they, your, your will does if you name the estate as beneficiary. So if you name your estate as the beneficiary of your IRA or your life insurance policy or your annuity, it's going to go through the estate and the will is going to determine how those assets are distributed. But that's generally not a good idea. It's going to go through probate and, and potentially could cause all kind of uh, problems for the person trying to handle your estate. Uh, so you want to double check and make sure the beneficiaries are correct. So the primary beneficiary is typically going to be a spouse, 
the secondary contingent beneficiaries going to be the children. Uh, I would make sure that if you have grandchildren with any of those children, that you make sure that those little two words per stirpes are listed on that beneficiary designation form. If that doesn't happen, then you could disinherit a grandchild. So if you've got, let's say, three children, and just one of those children has children, so you have grandchildren with one of those children. I'll just use myself as an example. So I have four children. One child has three grandsons. And so if I don't put persterpes on my beneficiary designation and my son dies, let's say, at the same time I do or he dies before I do and I just forget to change it and, and I don't have persterpes, I essentially have what's called per capita, which means that now how many kids do I have? Well, I've got three because the one son predeceased me. Well, it happened to be the one son that has my grandkids. So those grandkids would not be beneficiaries of the assets because I did not put persterpes on there. The other is as if I only have three children. The assets are divided between those three children. Now, that typically is the language that's going to be in your will. Uh, I think virtually every will that I've seen has persterpes language in it, unless they misspell it and put perstripes like I've seen attorneys do before. So it's, uh, I've seen, I should say, I've seen an attorney do that before. Uh, so if you have the persterpes in the will, you also want to make sure that persterpes is listed on the beneficiary uh, form. And, and a lot of them are including this now. I can tell you, when we first started uh, adding persterpes to, to our accounts, it was like um, fighting tooth and nail to get um, the custodian to do it. At the time, Schwab, now Fidelity, they just weren't used to anybody putting persterpes. And the legal department got involved, and they didn't want to do it. They thought it was going to uh, make them subject to all kind of potential lawsuits and so forth. Because then you got to find the, the, all the, the issue, the kids or the grandkids that are beneficiaries. And if you missed one, you know what happens. So they had hold harmless documents or statements in there. But, uh, but putting the persterpes on there, is, is a lot of times it's, it's a, a checkbox on the beneficiary form. Now, do you want persterpes or per capita? So that's the difference. Persterpes means that if your child predeceases you, then whatever share they would have gotten, their children would have gotten. So the, the, but the will doesn't determine where the IRA assets are going to go. It's got to be done by beneficiary designation. So it could be that your, your will might say that you want your children to get the money in, in increments. I want them to get uh, you know, a third of the money when they're 25, a third of the money when they're 35, and I want the final third to get to them when I'm pretty sure they know how to handle money now, maybe at age 60 or age 65. Maybe later. I don't know. I've seen some that it probably should be later than that. Um, but, but if you have the beneficiary designation says it's the child, well, they're not going to be subject to those distribution rules, one-third, one-third, one-third. They're going to get the money all at once. So if you want to control that, then you'd have to come up with a, have to put the money in a trust. And this is where it gets uh, to be a, sp a specialty for attorneys that know how to write these IRA conduit trusts to make sure that the assets are still controlled. Typically, they're not as tax advantage, although it's the tax advantages um, to not putting it in a trust uh, are not as great now because of the 10-year rule. You can't stretch somebody's distribution out over their lifetime anymore like you used to be able to do. Um, but but still, putting in a trust would have some restrictions. Of course, you want it to have restrictions because you want to make sure that the the children don't get this money all at once. 
that they get it over some time. And it could be you want them to get the IRA money all at once, but not the uh, the other monies and have them spread out. So some would come right away and some wouldn't. Uh, also a reminder on beneficiaries, if you are the kind that has in your in your document, you already list a, uh, let's say your church and a couple other charities in there that you want to get money when you pass. And it's, it's stated in your will, I want them to get X amount of money or X percent of my estate or whatever. Well, the the most tax efficient way to give that money to those entities is to do it into your IRA, assuming there's enough in there to do that. And that's another reason why you want to have more traditional IRA so that when you die, a, a tax exempt entity can get your traditional IRA tax free. Well, it doesn't matter if, if, the, if the tax exempt entity gets your Roth tax free. You want that to go to your children. You want the taxable assets to go to your church or other charity that is going to not have to pay taxes on that distribution. So, uh, and you can and you can keep changing it. it. Doesn't have to go back through the attorney. It's just, it's a beneficiary document. So once you get to uh, decide who you want to get it to and how much you want them to get, then you can put that in there. Well, as you take money out for your required minimum distributions, as the account value goes up and down based on investment performance, so that that could change the amount that the charity is going to get. So you want to keep an eye on that to make sure that the charity gets the amount that you really wanted, uh, that you wanted them to get, because otherwise they they may not. Um, if you inherit the IRA, you want to make sure that uh, you do a direct custodian to custodian transfer, and you want to keep the registration the same. You want it to be an inherited IRA. Um, so because you're not going to just take, if you take it all out at once, then you know what you've done? You just triggered all the taxes on that whole account, and it's irrevocable, so you don't want to do that. So you want to, to put it into a new account that still has you, the, the owner named, and you as the beneficiary, to, so you can at least get your, your 10-year uh, distribution rule in there, which is, which is very helpful. Uh, minimize those taxes as much as possible. You can't convert the inherited IRA to a Roth, um, and then you got uh, required minimum distributions that you have to take, as we talked about, depending on whether the person that, that owned the IRA was already taking distributions or not taking distributions. Anyway, I, hopefully I've, I've um, not made things too confusing for you, but you can see how confusing all of this is. So I encourage you to listen to this again. I've actually written some um, blog posts on this as well on the Talking Money uh, section, the resource section. So you can get more information about it there as well. So we, we appreciate everybody listening to Talking Money. You got a question for me, send that to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on the Ask Mike a Question. Either one gets that question to me. So thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be back with more information from Talking Money.